Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees. The multicultural mess and secular scam. Thank you so much for joining me today, my dear friends. I hope you're having a great day wherever you are in the world. It is the weekend and the weekend is always, always great. So we're going to start today's uh, episode by saying thank you uh, and congratulations to the ISRO mission in India for a successful liftoff of Chandrayaan-3. We are so proud of all of you. We know that you have made a lot of uh, effort, put a lot of effort in, and, and we congratulate you, your scientists, uh, your directors, your workers, your volunteers. Congratulations to the entire team. And we are proud of you all over the world. Um, and I hope that every Indian is proud of the ISRO mission. Uh, we also want to say happy Bastille Day, 14th of July, to the people of France. If you're listening, I don't know how you say it in in French. Bon 14 juillet ou bon best journée de Bastille. I have no idea, but happy 14th of July to all of you. Um, uh, and thank you to President Emmanuel Macron for giving us uh, for giving us this wonderful uh, uh, wonderful uh, opportunity to the Indian Armed Forces to take part in the Bastille Day Parade. Also, thank you to um, for him to giving uh, the Legion of Legion Legion of Honor award to I think it was the Legion of Honor. Or um, I'm not sure, but it was an award given to President uh, uh, President um, Prime Minister Narendra Modi, the Right Honourable Prime Minister of India, um, and of course um, giving our chance to our three Raphael aircrafts to take part in the um, in the parade. Um, in the aerial parade so that is extremely nice of the french and congratulations to you thank you to all those who took part and congratulations and i hope france finds its peace after this very bloody rights disgusting and disgraceful um and i i wish that france can find its peace sooner than later um on that note on the other side of france giving uh president modi uh the award and the Indian mission in France, um, we had a very hypocritical uh, European Union uh, meeting at, in Brussels. Okay, Now, um, they hammered India for 20 minutes for the Manipur rights. Why? Because the hypocritical pedophile church of, uh, in, in, um, in Manipur uh, made a complaint to the big bad to the to the uh, European Union of how India is bad, how Modi is bad, all the Hindus are bad, the Hindus are killing all the Christians and how all that is going on and it's bad and oh my god it's fascist and the Hindu regime and the and how all Hindus are killing all Christians in India. Uh, I mean disgusting is disgraceful is is worse than disgusting. Uh, I mean, I don't have a word for them. They are the scums of the world, the European Union and their mission in Brussels. Disgusting. They're such hypocrites. I have nothing nice to say about them. And if you think I'm bad today, I'm sorry. It is what I have to say, how I'm feeling. As an ex-Catholic, I can tell you, Brussels is a bunch of hypocrites. The Catholic Church is a bunch of hypocrites. Um... You have um, the Christian churches in India worse than hypocrites. Uh, they are the 
they they are the problem they are the problem behind every violent uh riot that goes on in 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 their name where they call themselves victims they are disgusting they have spread such vile hatred for our native culture for our for our native civilization they keep harping on they keep brainwashing the uh people they lie to them that some god is going to come from the sky and save them when no one is coming they do everything to play the divide and rule and then after it's going to cry to brussels now let me tell you who brussels is brussels is the seat of the european union brussels is also the capital of belgium okay um let me just check goodness gracious i all of a sudden uh belgium now i have nothing against belgium really absolutely nothing yes brussels is the capital of belgium I have nothing against Belgium. I think the Belgians are fantastic people, lovely people. I have a problem with the hypocrisy of the European Union in Brussels, sitting in a country which created genocide in Africa. Never will they talk about that. And today we're going to talk about a, a very Catholic Christian genocide in a country called Rwanda. I'm sure you've heard about this. European Union has never talked about it. The European Union will never talk about this. The European Union has no guts to talk about the genocide they created and the Belgians created in in Congo and and Rwanda and in the surrounding areas. And it's still going on. They're treacherous divide and rule. And this is the divide and rule they're playing in India. Divide, divide, divide and rule till they destroy the civilization, destroy the country and we become like Africa. Uh, a country of genocide a country of refugees a land of refugees fighting against our own brothers and sisters because we've been brainwashed for too long we've let these these the slime the the thugs come into the country and take root and and the the, the fault is ours so today i'm going to talk to you about rwanda okay um until 150 years ago we didn't have any nations okay uh we had empires and kingdoms and these empires started breaking up pan movements were formed which finally evolved into countries or na- or nation states each state is an idea with a border their political demarcations are based on either mutual understanding or war the citizens of these nations who once roamed the surface of the earth freely were now locked within the borders and forced to carry identity cards and passports all of a sudden they were forced to live constantly with people who they were never used to live with the establishment controlled these borders uh, and also controlled the macroeconomics around these borders in order to control the microeconomics within the border they had to micromanage um the minds of its citizens citizens were all divided into diverse groups theocratic political geopolitical social economic linguistic regional economic and even ecological groups we also divided we were also divided into sub religious groups religious groups local district municipal groups regional state and provincial groups each group is a relic of an ancient clan and an empire once controlled by these power groups and given a label to define themselves its citizens become slaves um ideological 
physical or both. In order to keep that human capital within a group, the leadership of each group hungry for totalitarian power will do only one common thing. They lie. Um, and in order to protect that lie, they have to invent other lies. When these lies are repeated several times over, it becomes the mentality and then the truth. The mentality is an institutional is then institutionalized into either theology, political ideology, or a duality or involving both. This will then form the basis of other empires, kingdoms, or political states, and finally a country. What is this lie? It's called holier than thou. Each will glorify its image to the detriment of the other. This is done by every country on our planet, every single group or subgroup, national or otherwise. This holier-than-thou mentality is called supremacy. We do it all without exception. We have been trained to believe that only white people are supremacists. That is a blatant, well-planned lie. It takes two to be supremacist. Every nation, religion or group practicing the holier-than-thou ideology thus becomes a supremacist. So the rhetoric is that we have a great, we are great culture and on the other side is horrible. Or we have a great heritage and the other side is just filthy people. We are about peace and tolerance and the other side is about hate. We are better than thou. We have knowledge and they are ignorant. We are intelligent people, but they are such low IQ. Only we are going to heaven, they are going to hell. This is the basis of Abrahamic divide and rule, my dear friend. Thus, anything to valorize your self-worth is in line with the agenda and keep you imprisoned in that box. All the while, while degrading the other side to cultivate fear of who you are trying to move to another group or box. The more they keep you in that box, the more ignorant you get. The longer you remain in that box, the more they suppress any form of information that will connect you to the knowledge of on the other side of your box. In other words, they want you to stay on as serfs on a plantation. All this so that they will spray with they will spray their holier their people with holier than thou part and point the finger at the opposite group who becomes the thou, meaning children of a lesser god or a lower worth. When this rhetoric is repeated over and over, it becomes part of your mentality. This mentality then is used as a foundation for all rhetoric, as the base equation. So every time you come to interpret a situation, you go right to the equation without even batting an eyelid. For example, Mary was ridiculous, but me, I know everything. This mentality is then registered in your DNA. It is transferred from generation to generation until you are boxed in that ideological prison and you have no way to get out. Once you are in the box, the brainwashing continues until you empower yourself with knowledge to climb out of the box. Every concept then passes through this mentality um, and the mentality which teaches you to do two things Point the fingers at others to justify your transgressions and never take responsibility. And two, hate the other side. Um, this then becomes your base equation, your operating platform, and every concept that you touch afterwards then passes through this base equation. 
Unfortunately, mankind has stooped to this level. Our ancestors for at least the last 5,000 years is, is not more, um, if, if not more, have been out of sync. Proof that this has been violent, and we find in ancient historical books, traditions, archaeological finds. Violence means physical dialogue instead of verbal dialogue. No verbal dialogue means no knowledge. No knowledge means no disconnection. Disconnect means, means turbulence. Turbulence is a conflict when, they, when transferred out of your body produces violence. Thus we know that they've already lost their knowledge even way back when. When we talk of knowledge, we talk of sciences or of electromagnetic cosmos and astronomy. Any surviving stories uh, and traditions that would originally that that would have originally have been parables were only to explain the scientific and astronomical knowledge. Okay, um, so this, my dear friends, um, is the basis of Abrahamic religions. Okay, basic. Basic Abrahamic religions are all divide and rule, us versus them, we are good, the other is bad. Um, all they wanted was land to control. And that's how you got the Manipur rights. And that's how you got these rights all about the place. Okay, so now that you understand the basis of this, let, let's just go on to Rwanda. Okay, um, so we're just going to go down here. Here, okay, here we go. Um, Rwanda, the country of Rwanda, was a result of Belgian divide and rule politics. Right, so, so here is the context as to how, or I, as I like to put it, the currents that form the waves. It is said that the Hutu or the Bantu people, farmers, okay, arrived in Central East Africa somewhere in the first century. Before then, the land was inhabited by the Twa. The Twa were pushed out and forced to flee by the Hutu. The Hutu always formed the majority of the population in the area and today form 80 to 85% of the region's congregations. The Tutsi originally Kushit, okay, cattle, um, sorry, cattle farmers, uh, invaded around the 15th century. They came from the Horn of Africa as conquerors despite their lack of numbers. The Tutsi believed in a hierarchical or feudalistic society. So they put in place a monarchy with Mavami being uh, the king, along with a hierarchical feudal system. They were always the upper strata of society and formed the ruling class. The population never exceeded 15% of the population of Rwanda or Burundi. The Hutu made contracts with the uh, Bihake with the, and the Tutsi. Okay, sorry. Um, with, the Hutu made contracts or uh, Bihake with the Tutsi. Okay, these are called contracts. These contracts pledged the Hutu and his descendant services to the Tutsi in return in exchange for cattle, for loan of cattle on arable land. Social status is very important to the Stutzi. For a long time, it considered demeaning 
to have to work on land. Tutsi upper class was supposed to walk with a certain posture, body movements, with a fine-tuned manner of speaking, to show how they are members of the upper class. Elite society which formed the upper class was supposed to always walk with an air of dignity and never show emotion. Hutus, who were wealthy enough, were accepted as part of the elite along with the Tutsi. While poorer Hutus lived quietly among themselves, provided they pay tax to the Mavami, that's the king, or the Malik. In brief, the Tutsi were the powerful ruling feudal class as such, which elevated themselves to a higher class of Hutus. They utilized their status to exhort as much tax as possible from the Hutus. One group was subservient to the other. In the 19th century, the land problems created a system of patronage compared to the European serfdom or feudalism, known as ubuhake. There's some other words too, but it's too complicated for me. This concept means to work for access to land. The introduction to this way of life made those who were not part of the upper class Hutus nobility and serfs. They were the people who worked the land. The relationship between the Tutsi and the Hutu started to disintegrate into typical Lord-Vassal conflicts at this point of history. Into this generating context of a feudalistic society came the Germans in the late 1900s. They aligned with the Tutsis over the Hutus who were happy for extra support. It's not different from any foreign power that enters this land. They will align themselves with any group through whom they can control from within. From there on, everything that occurred was blamed with the big bad colonialist. It was not different from the situation on the Indian subcontinent, where we were been fighting for at least thousands of years. But all our trials and tribulations are blamed on the British. Like having 10 beers at a bar and then asking and then taking a car home, getting into an accident, saying the car saying the car accident was because of the last beer that was an import, not the local beer, and definitely not an accumulation of 10 beers together. Formal colonization began in Germany with Germany in 1894. After World War I, Belgium accepted the League of Nations mandate in, of 1916 to govern Rwanda as the territory of Rwanda and Urundi. Uh, along with its existing Congo colony to the west, because the Belgium the Belge also ruled uh, Congo. Thus, Belgium became the administrative authority. They took a different approach. The social caste friction continued when Belgium implemented coffee production in Rwanda, supported by Tutsi hierarchy. The peasant farmers, mostly Hutus, were obligated to grow coffee beans on their land on on punishment of debt from the Tutsi officials in a system of Korwe rule. Korwe is a semantic that is one step higher than slavery, so almost slavery, okay? So the Hutus became slaves. The only difference is, is that in Korwe rule, the ruler does not own the servant outright. Many Hutus were subject, subjected to standard 10 lashes daily before work, so as to remind them to maintain the solid work ethic. And all these Belgians were controlled by the Roman Catholics, okay? On the 12th of November 1931, the Belgium administrative authority deposed the King Yuhi Musinga, to, who refused to submit to the authority and accept Christianity. 
when I say Christianity, I'm talking about Roman Catholicism, okay? His son, Mutara Rudhavigva, however, accepted power supported by Belge uh, and became the king on the 16th of November, 1931, only four days later. So the father said no, the son said yes. In the mid-1930s, the Belgium administration if issued identification cards that clearly categorized the Rwandans as Hutus, Tutsis, and Twa on the basis of the number of heads of cattle they own by physical character. That means they created this, okay? Just like the, just like the um, godforsaken Roman Catholic uh, church bought in the caste system, they've created the caste, they've done it on purpose, to divide us, to create uh, uh, anger within us, to divide us, to create friction and hate. And then we have the Manipur right. So same way, in the 1930s, the, the Belge did the same thing to the Rwandans, who they categorized as Hutu, Tutsi, and Twa, on the basis of the number of heads of cattle. These divisions were not appreciated by King Ruda Vigwa, who demanded total independence and the end of Belgian administration. The king wanted a number of changes which included, among others, the end of serfdom, so that people were paid for whatever they did and wanted to abolish uh, the slavery. But the Belgium administration, along with the Roman Catholic Church, had ins was insistent that the king had to silently go along. In 1943, he converted to Christianity, taking the name Charles Leon Pierre, unlike his father who refused to convert. In 1946, Rwanda was known as Rwanda-Urundi back then, became a UN trust territory. Christianity became the state religion, and, but this region coincided, his, sorry, but his reign coincided with the worst famine in Rwanda between 1941 and 45. There were 200,000 who are said to have perished. To slowly, and this is the same thing that happened in Bengal in these areas, okay, don't forget. Uh, to slowly incorporate democracy and bring about change on the, the auspicious of the UN, the Belgian elite, along with King Muturara Rudavenge, the, the Mavi at the time, or the king as it's called, started to integrate more Hutus into the administration. Uh, the king also abolished the Ubuque system. However, elements from the Tutsi elite were angered. They, were, they interpreted the situation as a threat to Tutsi power, like all people of higher caste hi hierarchy on the planet, including the holier-than-thou in Asia. By 1944, uh, the king Ruda Viga uh, insisted on total independence for Rwanda, and at the end, the Benjil and an end to the Belgian administrative authority on Rwandan soil. However, a Hutu Catholic supported by the Catholic Church by the name of Gregoire Kayibanda demanded that the political authority be granted to the Hutu majority. Uh, they who were tired of being slaves of the Tutsi. So behind the scenes, the church was playing the divide and rule. Okay. Um, he published uh, what was known as the Hutu Manifesto, on 24th November 1959, the king visited Usumbura, now Bujumbara, capital of the modern-day 
state of Burundi to visit the Belgian of administrative officials. The next day, he visited the Belgian doctor at the colonial hospital where he died. Okay, so all of a sudden he dies from middle of nowhere. You know how that, what's that called today, an assassination. It is seen as an assassination. It created tensions and the monarchy crumbled two years later. In 1960, democratic elections were held and Gregoire Kayibanda became the prime minister of the provincial government. In the same year, a referendum was held to abolish the monarchy, which then was abolished by popular mandate. In 1962, Rwanda received independence from Belgium and the League of Nations mandate. The Belgians left Rwanda in an official democratic state. Just like the Brits, officially it's democratic, okay? But by that time, however, the Hutus were an oppressed race, damaged and angry from centuries of Tutsu subjugation and trauma. They quickly consolidated power and removed uh, all Tutsis from power, positions resulting in an exodus of Tutsis to neighboring nations. They were armed conflicts, tensions which rose from anti-Tutsi legislation, and behind the scene, the Roman Catholic Church was playing the divide and rule, okay? Given 100%, they were controlling the Tutsis, uh, sorry, and the Hutus from behind the scenes all the way in Europe. Violent attacks and Tutsi ethnic cleansing continued. No amount of peace talks and peace treaties worked. Thus, the table was set for the 1994 genocide after centuries of Hutu-Tutsi social caste atrocities and slavery confrontations. An estimated 500,000 to a million Rwandans were killed during the 100-day period from 7th of April to mid-July 1994. This constituted 70% of the Tutsi population. 2,000 years of currents that have nothing to, that ended with a colonial power um, um, hypening the situation and and exasperation the situation where they played an even bigger uh, role in the divide and rule and the genocide of Rwanda. The snowball effect of the atrocities was already out of control, which exploded into a spiral of personal vendettas that existed um, before and during um, was widened as the Europeans came and exploded after they left. The only reason people woke up was because the Europeans were involved. They, um, with the Europeans involved, we get genocide. Uh, every, but it's called also called karma. Every action is an equal reaction to an action that's already happened. Basically, as long as you do not understand the currents that form your waves and introspect, history will repeat itself. Um, and this, my dear friends, is the story of Rwanda. Today, Rwanda is one of the brightest countries of African continent. Why? Because they passed a law to give up their individual clan and tribal labels, never to be used again. They were in many ways a shining example of what we as a civilization need to do, give up our labels. They took the responsibility and today gave equal opportunity to all its citizens. My hats off to their leadership and their citizens. We owe the Rwandan government a thank you for showing the world that peace can happen even if you want, 
even if it's not perfect for naysayers. It is a tapestry of introspection and hard work. The world gasped at the genocide, which took over a million lives. Today, the world gasps again at the miracle of life that is Rwanda. And one of the reasons I bought you this this uh, podcast today is because the church was actively involved in the genocide. Um, they actively their their priest were involved in in um, in killing, murdering, and butchering uh, rival clans. Okay, uh, they would keep they would take people as shelter uh, in their in in their churches, and then they would call the other groups to hack them to pieces. Uh, and you have churches today, churches today, that you have now museums full of skulls, skulls of children, babies, and the church was actively involved in the genocide, mind your friends. The Pope, you can, had, to, or had to apologize, and you can go onto YouTube and you can see and you can read it. The Pope, the, uh, Pope um, Francis, the current Pope, had to apologize to the king to the president of Rwanda for the genocide uh, committed by the church. Uh, and even today, that still hurts. A lot of Rwandans are leaving uh, Christianity because the church was involved. Some are going to Islam. Um, and a lot of uh, women who were raped, gang raped, and had children refused to accept their children uh, and made them, uh, you know, sort of orphans. And some pushed, raised the children, but did not accept the children. And the children are now gone to, uh, you know, uh, change their religion, gone to another religion. And all of this because not only the church created the divide and rule, not only the Catholic church was involved in, in the act of genocide, but they have not done anything to heal. And those people who were raped, they have not even helped the women that were raped. They were not helped the women that were um, to bring up their children a child of rape so if you get pregnant and you and someone rapes you and the child is born it will not you know I know it's trauma but you have to counsel the mother and the child help them but the church has not helped them counsel the mother and the child and the children are leaving the children are left stranded they are going to other groups they're getting involved in all the, and the bad things but you what do you expect the church just said sorry and that's it there's nothing done technically to help the people and this was created specifically by the the church now this is the same church who is involved in the Manipur genocide. You think this is not this is not uh, the church behind it? You think the church is not indoctrinating? The church is not using the, the, the congregations as the mob to do their dirty work and then screaming, oh yes, yes, oh my God, uh, look, we are victims. They were doing the same thing in Rwanda. They did, and they had a genocide in Rwanda. Now they're doing the same thing in Manipur. And they're pretending that they are... Um, they are the victims. They're going to Brussels, which is the same colonial power that held, uh, uh, was involved uh, in the genocide, or should I say, in the administration of um, of Rwanda, created the divide and rule, then left, and their their you know ideological department stayed behind. Okay, this is the political. 
power went away, but the ideological department went behind, just like just like the church is still in India, although apparently the Europeans have gone and the Arabs have gone and the Mughals have gone. Their ideological power uh, leftovers are still there, and they are still causing the divide and rule. As long as they are causing the divide and rule, we will have another genocide, and this is bound to happen because it's the same currents that form the waves. So you have to be very very careful. You have to understand that the that the European Union is not only a bunch of hypocrites, they are slime to the to the core, disgusting, disgusting slime. And they are as hypocritical as you can come. They have played the divide and rule wherever they've gone. They've they've destroyed civilizations, they've they've involved in murders, involved in genocides, in involved in, in dividing nations, creating problems. And and this is the same thing that happened. Um, and this is the same thing that's still happening in India, and Manipur is the reason for is this is the reason for uh, the fires and and the violence in Manipur, and still. So, please, before you uh, before you um, make any decisions, re- um, research Rwanda, the genocide, the history of the genocide, history of the Belgians, the history of the Catholic Church that was involved in the Rwandan genocide, and then make your decision because these are a bunch of hypocrites, totally, completely, fully, from top to bottom, and they want only, they want power, they want to destroy you, destroy your civilization of any sense of of sanity that you'll have, and when they destroy you, then they'll come for the leftovers and say, "Look, we we are the reason that we've you are now sane. You've got a democratic government. You've got a modern government. We already had a modern government before they they were there, but they came to for the spoils. They came for power and money because they are so uh, drunk with power. They cannot see anyone who is doing well." Um, on another worldview, on another ideological power, they cannot see anyone doing better and going against their narrative. They have, they believe that their narrative is the only narrative that survives. This is the Abrahamic supremacist mindset that their narrative is the only narrative that survives. Anyone who doesn't agree with, with their narrative, but still doing well, still having a civilization, still exist, has to be destroyed. And this is typical Abraham. And that is why we're leaving. There are millions of us leaving. There's an exodus of us leaving. It is time you, you understand that. It is time you rise up, do the homework, do the research, and understand now why we're leaving, why the church is so scared. The churches in India realize that they are the, the slime of the planet, the slime of the country, and they are... They've, They've got a, a dying population on their hands. We, we just don't believe them anymore. We know they're hypocrites. We know that they're the reason why we've kept behind. They've used us as bait for so long, 500 years. We are saying enough is enough. We want to go back to our peace. We want to go back to the land of our ancestors. We do not want to play the divide and rule. We do not want to, uh, to be part of a colonial empire. We want to be a proud product of our Vedic ancestors. And that's what we're saying. But um, it's it's not easy. They are doing everything it's in its power to divert attention. But history is there. And you need to understand the currents that form the waves. On that note, 
I am going to let you go. I thank you so much for your time. Please do your research. Spread the podcast as much as possible because this is very important for our sanity. Um, and, and yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. You have yourself a great day and stay safe.